Now podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 168 of the OrthoEvalPal podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis, and today we are going to be talking about the suprascapular nerve. We'll be talking about what the job of the suprascapular nerve is. We'll be talking about the route that it takes, what a suprascapular nerve injury looks like and presents like. We'll look at some of the causes and how to manage these when you see them. But before we get in-depth with all this information, I'd like to just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech, all-terrain, chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's EasyGliderSocks.com. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit EasySlant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant. Hello and welcome back. So this is the first episode of 2021 and I hope you are all well and I hope that you have all, you know, set some goals to help yourself, you know, grow personally and professionally this year. Uh, Make your goals achievable. It's very important that you accomplish something and achieve and have that sense of fulfillment when you achieve. Um, And just keep that in mind. Don't make very unrealistic goals. Um, It's good to challenge yourself a little bit. Uh, You know, so one of my goals this year is to bring more orthopedic evaluation content regarding, you know, how do you evaluate patients better, how to manage them when you see certain problems. And I want to do it with better quality. Um, So we have, you know, a new camera, we have a new microphone, we have some lights, we have a new computer. Um, And so we are going to be putting all of this together just to make everything just a bit clearer for you uh, this year when we bring our content to you. Now, all this equipment, you know, will not fix my French accent and it's not going to be making me more eloquent eloquent, you know, when it comes to talking and speaking, but I will continue to do my very best to bring you the content that I have from the experience that I have as a physical therapist for over 29 years. Um, So with that being said, on with the show. So let's talk a little bit about the path of the suprascapular nerve. And the only reason we're doing this topic today is because I was just uh, doing some review with my daughter on some some different um, injuries and different diagnoses. And we came across the suprascapular nerve. And I thought, you know what, we don't see this problem very often, but I thought this would be a great time to talk about it so that you can get this um, diagnosis and injury put into the back of your head in case you see it. It is rare, but I have seen them and it's been really fun trying to tease these out. So 
the suprascapular nerve comes off of the upper trunk of the brachial plexus and it's derived from the roots of C5 and C6. So I want you to remember that, okay, from C5 and C6. It runs to the uppermost part of the scapula and under the suprascapular ligament, which is the top of the tunnel for the, of the suprascapular notch, okay? So there is a notch that nerve goes through. So that's an area where things can get congested, get impinged, um, or have trauma and have some swelling in that area or have a tumor. Um, then it goes on to innervate the supraspinatus first and then continues through the spinal glenoid notch in the, near the scapula to innervate the infraspinatus. So the suprascapular nerve innervates the supraspinatus and infraspinatus muscles, okay? And just a little note here, uh, it, yes, we usually associate a suprascapular nerve injury with um, muscle issues or, or, you know, motor issues, but there is uh, there are some sensory fibers that um, will give some discomfort, especially around the glenohumeral joint, around the capsule, and all the way up to the AC joint area. So people who have an injury to the suprascapular nerve do have some discomfort. It's like a vague discomfort in the back of the shoulder, and we'll talk about some of the signs and symptoms in a little bit. So how does this nerve become injured? Well, you could have a bony stenosis, so some sort of an anatomical variant where that suprascapular notch or um, the uh, the spinal glenoid notch can become, you know, uh, impinged or have a bone spur in there, and that gets smaller. So there's not a lot of room for that nerve to pass in that area. You could develop a, a spinal glenoid cyst secondary to arthritis or some sort of a labral tear, um, you know, swelling in the in the shoulder. So just like a um, a ganglion cyst on the wrist, you have this cyst that could uh, come up off of the uh, glenoid rim, cause some irritation to the nerve, cause some compression to the nerve, uh, and uh, therefore give you a significant amount of weakness. You could have a scapular fracture, uh, which could also affect either notch. Uh, and then any sort of you know trauma to that area, a blunt blow. We've seen this happen with people where their feet come out from under them and they land right back on the scapula. And then they come to see us in the clinic and they just can't lift that arm very well or they can't externally rotate or you know they start to develop some weakness pretty quickly. So you know a direct blow to that scapula could be an issue. The other problem that we can see uh, with something like Parsonage-Turner syndrome is a virus which leads to like a neuritis of the suprascapular nerve. And so, you know, people might come in and say, yeah, you know, I was pretty sick for a while or I had this this virus and, you know, and then all of a sudden my arm started to bother me and then suddenly it went away, but now I have no strength. Okay, so if anybody is curious to see what a Parsons-Turner syndrome looks like, and I can give a description about this, um, I'll have a video in the links of the show notes so you can check that out. The other uh, issue that we see on occasion will be a tumor that is compressing that suprascapular nerve, and it's typically around the area of the notches, and it's just taking up space and putting compression on that nerve. We'll also see some issues with overhead athletes um, where there could be an overcompression of the nerve or an excess an excessive tractioning of the nerve, okay? So an excessive pull. Remember, nerves don't like to be stretched uh, very much. And so if you get an overstretch to it, that can cause you um, a suprascapular nerve injury and uh, really some long-term effects from that. So what are some of the signs and symptoms of a patient who has a suprascapular nerve injury? 
the big one here is weakness, okay? Weakness of the supraspinatus and infraspinatus. And most oftentimes, it's it's really more the external rotators. You'll see this very significant, quote-unquote, painless weakness. So you resist external rotation, and they tell you it doesn't hurt. But I'm thinking about this, and I'm working really hard, but there's nothing there. Um, and so that is a common sign of this. The other thing that we are looking for here is a non-cogging resistance. Okay, so when you test external rotation, usually if they, even if they have pain, they're going to have a little bit of you know, cogging, and they're going to fight it a little bit. And so um, you know, that's not the case typically when you have a nerve injury. Usually that just gives away really smoothly. Okay, And if you want to see this, I've got a nice video of a patient with a suprascapular nerve injury from a supralabral uh, cyst uh, in the show notes here. So make sure you click on that and check that out. I talk about different reasons why people lose external rotation strength. And so uh, this would be a great video for you to watch so that not only do you see what a suprascapular nerve injury could look like, but I can talk, I talk about other um, reasons why people lose external rotation. The other um, issue uh, the or a sign and symptom that we see is usually a gradual onset, which is one of the most common things, you know, a patient develops a, you know, a strain or a pull to that nerve. Uh, maybe they take a blow to the shoulder blade and they just progressively get weaker and weaker and weaker over time. Um, and also, they will complain of like a deep ache, especially in the posterolateral aspect of the shoulder. And it's kind of like a, a vague discomfort back there that they can't really put a finger on. The other thing we will see will be supraspinatus and or infraspinatus atrophy. So a significant amount of muscle wasting. You'll look at that scapula and you'll see that spine of that scapula sticking right out with a big divot where that infraspinatus fossa is and even a divot where the supraspinatus fossa is. And um, sometimes one over the other, it depends on where the nerve has been damaged. And um, so that is something you need to look at because muscle wasting there is uh, kind of unusual, so you need to uh, check that out, and uh, that can uh, that can help also. Remember this: people with suprascapular nerve injuries usually have this unilaterally, only on one side. I have never I've seen several of these, but I've never seen it on both sides. That would be extremely extremely rare. If they did, it would probably be due to a virus um, or something like that, but uh, very rare. So uh, the other area that uh, you know the other sign or symptom would be some tenderness to that supra, that spinal glenoid notch. Uh, they might have a little tenderness there if there is some sort of compression or inflammation swelling uh, in that area. That may be something you want to check out. But of course, you could have a little posterior capsular irritation, inflammation, uh, and that would be hard to identify the difference from one to the other. So there's a lot of stuff here. How do you best identify or diagnose a suprascapular nerve injury? Well, um, this is complex. And, you know, we could spend hours on just this alone, but what I'm going to do is talk to you about how to manage it when you have certain findings, okay? So the first thing I do is when I am somewhat kind of stumped or puzzled when I see a patient with a, sh a shoulder injury, I always start with my cervical spine clearing, okay? And remember, we talked about C5 and C6 earlier, all right? Those are the roots for the suprascapular nerve. So, we check this out. We have seen people 
who look like they have rotator cuff tears and look like they have suprascapular nerve injuries and they have a C5 or C6 herniated disc causing nerve root compression. So check the reflexes, check the sensation, and do some manual muscle testing. So if you check the reflexes and there is a loss of reflex, um, then it is not likely to be coming from the suprascapular nerve, right? It has to be coming from the nerve root. Uh, so that can help you uh, tease in or tease out if this is a cervical spine uh, issue. Also, distal manual muscle testing. Um, if you have a C5, you'll have you know weakness into elbow flexion and supination, which you would not have with a suprascapular nerve injury. And um, the other thing, I, the other two uh, things I like to test here is a Spurling's test. So if you do a Spurling's test and the pain shoots down the arm, then that is coming from the neck. You did nothing there. Um, to the suprascapular nerve. Actually, the suprascapular nerve would be more affected if you had the patient looking to the contralateral side. Um, so a Sperling's test can help rule that out. And then I like to do the marquee maneuver, which is a test I developed, and I'll put a video in the show notes so that you can see what this looks like um, on an actual patient. So basically, um, I do manual muscle testing. If I see a weakness in the arm, I traction the neck and if the strength comes back, well, that tells me that we are taking pressure off the nerve root, and therefore the patient uh, will demonstrate better resistance. So that rules out a suprascapular nerve injury. So I do a real comprehensive cervical spine clearing test and go from there. Now, if the patient does have painless weakness, especially with external rotation and with testing of the supraspinatus, you need to be uh, very suspicious that there is some sort of a neural issue going on here, either a virus or the nerve is being compressed um, or there is some damage to that nerve uh, in that area. And then the other thing I look at is, was there a mechanism of injury? So if yes, you know, was there a direct blow to the scapula? Did they fall flat on their back or get struck by something uh, in the back of the scapula that could cause trauma to the nerves? If so, then you need to be suspicious that there is swelling, inflammation, um, and irritation to those uh, structures that could be causing this. And, and so... If there wasn't a mechanism of injury and this just kind of came on, then you need to be looking at, um, you know, is there some sort of a, a viral issue going on here or is there a tumor maybe that is growing in the area? Um, so, so when I'm suspicious of a suprascapular nerve injury because of muscle wasting, painless weakness, or a negative cervical and or negative cervical clearing test, um, then I really recommend electrodiagnostic testing. Having an EMG and nerve conduction velocity test can really help rule this out or rule it in. Um, they're very accurate. I, I wouldn't have these tests done within three to four weeks of the problem starting, but soon after that uh, is very feasible. And if you know these come back negative, and um, it's it's very important that you try to identify, you know, the suprascapular nerve. And if, they, if that comes back negative, then an MRI is certainly in the works um, to see if there is anything else going on, like a rotator cuff tear causing the weakness um, or a fracture or something uh, of that sort. Now, why is it so important to identify if somebody has a suprascapular nerve problem? And I've seen this with patients. I had a gentleman who came in and uh, they suspected a uh, torn rotator cuff. 
I did not because of the painless weakness and very minimal discomfort, but just had no strength with external rotation. Seemed like a nerve problem, right? So patient has an MRI, and the MRI comes back positive for a rotator cuff tear. So he goes in for surgery, and they open him up, and there is no tear to be found. So there was just, you know, uh, either something in the MRI just didn't look right or just didn't definitively identify this problem very well. And so the patient came out. He had uh, no tear uh, but still had a significant amount of weakness. So we had an, an EMG and nerve conduction velocity done, and it clearly identified that he had a suprascapular nerve injury. And from a fall. And so from there, we were able to talk to the patient about this and say, listen, if this comes around, this could take a year or more to recover. And so with that expectation, the patient is not just sitting around saying, why is this thing not getting better? I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to push harder and whatnot. But that nerve, as it heals, will start to send messages when it wants to send messages. So what you do in a situation like that is you don't need to see this patient once, twice, three times a week. Maybe you set them up with a home exercise program to work on trying to activate um, the shoulder musculature and make sure the scapula stays in a good position. Um, and then you recheck this patient every two weeks, three weeks, maybe even a month, and see if there is improvement. They may also undergo the electrodiagnostic testing, again, to see if there is better activity in the nerve, and uh, therefore, uh, you know, look for progress that way. And so once the patient has a good understanding of what the expectation is, then they are going to be much more willing to be patient as this inevitable slow healing process happens. Okay, so that's why it's so important to identify if they have an issue there. Um, so I know I've covered a lot. I will add some videos to the link so you can see what a suprascapular nerve injury looks like. And, um, you know, and, and this is in a real patient. Please feel free to connect with me if you have any questions about this podcast, and I will do my very best to uh, try to answer those questions. And heck, send me questions unrelated to this podcast, and I will do my very best to maybe put a show together around it. Um, I've done that on several occasions, and I appreciate all those of you who have sent those questions. Uh, it just it really helps to answer uh, those questions out there, and I know there are a lot of other people out there who have those same questions, um, and so I'd be more than happy to try to get the answers uh, for you. Now, if you don't already know this, uh, we just put up a new Facebook page. I used to have a Facebook group, and that's private, and it's, you know, I give a little more info to those folks than the rest, and um, but uh, I, it's not shareable. So uh, what we wanted to do is really get the word out there a little bit more. So we made a Facebook page. We also started an Instagram account, which has been fun um, to do some uh, different stuff on there. So make sure you uh, check us out. Uh, and the reason we did some of this is just to help complement our YouTube channel and our LinkedIn posts and our website um, so that you just have better ways to access us. I know some people don't like to go to a website. They might just want to do some other form of social media to get information. So feel free to connect on any of those. All those links are in the show notes. Um, so, there, like I said, so many ways to get connected. And, um, you know, in 2021, I hope that we can connect more, uh, just get more information out there for you. And I certainly wish you all the best in 2021 and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.